Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. This is Radio Maria, a very warm welcome. I'm Edmund Zengeni, and this is Just Life. And today we have a very special guest, Chiro Candia, who is the head teacher of Oakwood School in Purley, married to Caroline, and they have seven children aged between 24 and 13. Chiro's research on fathers comes from more than 20 years of working with families from two highly successful independent primary schools, that he helped to establish Oakwood School in Purley and Oliver House in Clapham. Through countless conversations with fathers and mothers, he's looked at what successful parents have in common. He has given talks on fatherhood and upbringing at conferences around the UK. And on Saturday, June 10th, he will be speaking at the Family Enrichment Conference in Newmarket. Wow, that's quite some uh, resume. Nice to meet you, Chiro. Yes, nice to, nice to meet you too, Eddie. And good well, morning. Good morning and welcome to Radio Maria and Just Life. Thank you very much indeed. Thank I've you. A, I've got quite a vested interest in this talk because I'm a father as well of three boys. So um, I'll be curious <laughs> to, to hear what you have to say. But I'll pass the uh, airwaves over to you and our dear listeners. And then um, whenever you're ready, we'll have a little music break and then perhaps open up the phone lines. If any of our listeners would like to call in, ask Chiro a question, they're welcome to. But until then... The floor is yours. Great. Thank you very much indeed for, for having me and for, for the very warm introduction. You know, it's my first time on Radio Maria. And firstly, I want to, to commend the fantastic work um, that you do here. And it's uh, an honor to be part of, of this great platform. And good morning to our listeners. You know, I'm joining you from the, the comfort of my home here in Purley, enjoying a fresh cup of tea as we, we kick off um, this part of the show. And today I want to address a topic that's relevant to to each of us, you know, whether we are parents or working professionals or or both. And it's this idea of of trying to achieve a perfect work-life balance in pursuit of happiness. In fact, I'm an ex-headmaster, Eddie, so I'm not. um, I stepped down um, a few months ago, having um, been a head for 25 years and and having worked with thousands of, of couples over the years and also as a parent, with with seven children you know i understand very well the the pressures of of trying to juggle all the balls you know work and family and friendships interests our spiritual lives and as perhaps and perhaps as we get older even our health really but my observations and experience over the years have, have led me to the conclusion that trying to to achieve this perfect life balance in order to be happy is simply a myth 
And modern society would have us believe that if we somehow achieve this, this perfect work-life balance, we're, we're going to find lasting happiness. You know? That if we, we work hard enough or if we're smart enough or, or work long enough, you know, we, can, we can get to this moment, this kind of platitude of perfection, you know, this perfect state where it all evens out. You know, all we have to do, um, say the experts, is to, to learn a few techniques or, or strategies about how to, to juggle all these balls in, in perfect synchrony, and then we're happy. Yeah? And, and that's what modern society tells us. And it's interesting, if you Google life balance, you're going to get over 300 million results. You know, think of that. <laughs> over 300 million ideas or, or observations or, or opinions on how you can balance your life. Yeah? But it's a myth. You know, it's something that we're never going to attain. And, and yet we've been told somehow that, that it's our ultimate goal, that the ultimate purpose of, uh, of our lives. And then when it doesn't happen, you know, we beat ourselves up with, with, with guilt. You know, we, and, and, and what happens is that this restricts our opportunities to, to, to grow as a person or as a couple. So in my view, this pursuit of, of perfect work-life balance is actually having a negative impact on our family lives. As we all know, raising a family isn't easy. And I have some, um, a lot of sympathy for, for the person who said, you know, insanity is hereditary, you, know, you get it from your kids. You know, like everyone listening today, I love my children, but, but you know, why didn't anybody warn me of the change that, that, um, that they were going to cause in, in the relationship with, with my wife when they started coming along? You know, one, one minute, Caroline and I, my wife Caroline, were spending our evenings you know, taking walks together and visiting friends and, and, and reading in front of the fire. And the next, we were driving the streets at midnight, you know, singing nursery rhymes and, and trying to get our first son to, to, to sleep. You know? you know, why didn't anybody get us ready for, for, for parenthood? And for those of you who um, don't have children yet, there's an author called Colin Bowles. And in his book, The Beginner's Guide to Fatherhood, you know, he's devised 12 simple steps to see if you're ready for fatherhood. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of them, but just to, to, to pick out three. And I quote, you know, so women, to prepare for maternity, put on a dressing gown and stick a beanbag down the front. Leave it there for nine months. And after nine months, take out just 10% of the beans. Men, go to the supermarket. Arrange to have your salary paid directly to their head office. Go home, pick up the paper and read it for the last time. Can you stay on this mess that your children make? To find out, first smear marmite onto the sofa and jam onto the curtains. Hide a fish finger behind the stereo and leave it there all summer. Stick your fingers in the flower beds and then rub them on the clean walls and cover the stains with crayon. Now, how does that look? Right, so those are just a few of the steps to, to prepare for those who, who are yet to become parents. And, and raising a, cha a family, let's face it, is, is a challenge. It's a challenge. And throughout the generations, you know, couples from every culture have, have, have navigated the, these highs and lows, you know, weathered the tragedies and the losses and, and celebrated those successes and, and triumphs. But, you know, it, it's my belief that in this modern age, we're definitely going through something different, you know, something different. You know, in, a, in, a, in a world of 
of rapid technological advancement, I sometimes ask myself, you know, we're, we're living in an era of, of increased living standards, you know, way beyond anything our ancestors could have imagined. You know, where inclusivity and tolerance and freedom and, and equality have such a high value. Yeah? But then why are we witnessing such a surge in, in, in stress, in, in poor mental health, in, in, in general unhappiness? And the answer is not because people are not achieving a perfect life-work balance. It's not. Now, the answer, in my view, is because we now live in an upside-down world compared to, to the world of our ancestors. Yep. A world which, which peddles a whole bunch of myths about how happiness can be attained, introducing all sorts of new moral codes that, that simply haven't existed in the last 99% of human history. There are codes like... I don't know, maximize pleasure and avoid pain at all costs, you know, says this, um, this new cultural um, code. Now, indeed, in, in the last few generations, at least in, let's say, the 1% of the last 1% of human history, and at least in our culture, you know, everything has changed. And it's no longer parents, for example, who are the primary shapers of, of young people. You know, it's those who who speak through the cybersphere, through media and entertainment. You know, these are now the, the movers and the, and the shapers. You know, prior generations you know, saw few, if any, cultural changes from one generation to the next. You know, but beliefs and practices evolved at a really slow rate, you know, almost glacial in comparison to what we're experiencing today. But now, today's technology you know, can rocket any crazy ideas to anyone, anywhere, at the speed of light. You know, technology can now move minds by the millions. You know? I mean, just to put the record straight, I'm not anti-technology at all. You know? I mean, some advances have been obviously very positive. You know, where, where would we be we without you know, eBay, for example? I, mean, I, I certainly couldn't have completed my, my World Cup Panini sticker collection from 1970 without it. You know? But the rate of change and, and, and the reduction of influence parents and others now have is, in my view, having a real negative impact on society. Now, going back to the, to the life-work balance, you know, it's an intriguing idea. You know? but, but for 99% of human history, this idea of achieving some perfect work-life balance as a means to, to, to happiness just simply didn't exist. You know? You know, the farmer in the, in the 1880s didn't wake up at, at 6 o'clock in the morning and think, right, you know, how do I achieve my work-life balance? today in order to be happy. You know, what, what I've observed over the years by seeing, by seeing many couples raise their kids successfully is, is that the happiest people I've come across are the ones who, who work off balance, as it were. Right? Off balance, not, not you know, in perfect balance, but off balance. You know, couples who, who are not living on some perfect plane or some platitude, you know, um, but what they do is, is they, as they go through life, they figure it out. You know, they, they're constantly making adjustments and, and corrections, learning from their mistakes, you know, responding to opportunities and challenges, you know, replacing you know, poor relationship habits or, or parenting habits with, with, with good ones. You know, these couples, and I've seen them, and you know, they get knocked down from time to time, or sometimes many times, really. Yeah. But from the challenges of, of life, you know, with these challenges, they persevere and they never burn out. And this is always, 
been a, a really you know kind of interesting point of reflection for me really why don't these people burn out you know because fundamentally what i i've noticed in these couples is that they live their lives with purpose with a sense of mission and they 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 bring this 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 sense of meaning this purpose to every single day you know whether that purpose is a is a love of god and to sanctify each day you know to seek holiness in in their work and in their everyday activities you know whether it's to work together as a couple in unity to 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 raise their children to be people of character who live their lives you know pursuing what is good and noble lives of virtue no matter no matter the cost you know, these these couples these people have a mission and today you know i'm not going to go deeper into into that mission of parents of fathers and and mothers you know perhaps you know if if eddie and helena um will have me back I'll, i i may be able to do that in 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 another show but but just to highlight that that the most important question for me is not whether we're achieving a perfect work life balance but whether we have a clear mission and purpose in life you know that is much more fundamental in our pursuit for long lasting happiness as you know much of the work that i do in in the talks that i give and and you know the, the couples that, that that i have the pleasure to 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 work with is 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 helping those couples to you know, to bust those myths you know, to bust sometimes i think you know forget ghostbusters i'm a myth buster you know trying to bust some of those myths about modern culture so that parents can confidently raise their children well in a time of confusion and and cultural um chaos and another myth that our modern culture peddles you know related to this morning's topic is that is that is that happiness is something out there you, know, you have to earn it you have to buy it or if you're lucky enough you might even stumble upon it yeah and there's that 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 song um, that beautifully embodies this idea of of embracing life's uncertainties and i believe it's quite fitting for for today's conversation you know, it's ke sera sera by Doris Day you know classic that reminds us that you know whatever will be will be when and after the break we will turn to some more myth busting i ask my mother what will i be will we have rainbows day after day here's what my sweetheart said ke sera sera whatever will be will be future's not ours to see ke sera sera what will be will be this is radio maria very warm welcome back that was doris day and ke sera sera what will be will be and we've been speaking this afternoon or listening rather to chiro candia the head teacher of uh, Oakwood School in Purley and he's been giving us a very interesting first first chunk on his talk on the the chaos of uh, the modern world and how us Catholic families have to navigate through that chaos. So I'm going to hand over the airwaves one more time to you, Chiro, and uh, speak to you again in a bit. Great. Thank you very much, um, Eddie. It wasn't that wonderful. Que sera, sera. You know, such a timeless tune by, by, by Doris Day. Now let's return then to this, this modern idea um, that, that happiness is, is something out there. Yeah. 
I don't know if any of you have come across um, this social psychologist, and, and I certainly recommend um, his, his, his books. He's called Dan Gilbert, Dan Gilbert, and he's conducted extensive research on, on the science of happiness. And in his work, he asks his readers to consider two different scenarios. So one of them is, is winning the lottery, 150 million pounds, imagine. And another is becoming a paraplegic. Now just give it a moment of thought. You know, what would bring you and me greater happiness, winning that 150 million pounds or becoming a paraplegic? It seems a bit like a dumb question, really. Yeah. But the, the fact is, based on, on Dan Gilbert's research, that a year after losing the use of their legs and a year after winning the lotto, lottery winners and paraplegics are equally happy with their lives. Yeah. Why? Now, we have an ability to, to, to project into the future and imagine all sorts of, of things and, and scenarios. You know, I mean, sometimes when I was winding my, my kids up and we'd go to, to buy the ice cream um, on holiday, you know, we, we'd kind of consider the different possible flavors of ice creams that, that wouldn't work, you know, liver and onion, you know, that, this kind of thing, right? You know, we can consider those sorts of scenarios or... or you know, these great engineers of the past who've, who've looked across um, a river and, and thought, you know, how do we build a bridge here? But, says, says Gilbert, you know, we are very poor at estimating how we will fare in the face of future adversity, even, um, even becoming, um, like becoming a paraplegic. And, you know, some of you may be tempted to roll your eyes and say, yeah, right, you know, the paraplegic is just kidding themselves. You know, they're not really happy. You know, not naturally happy anyway, right? And, you know, the kind of happiness that the paraplegic has is, is, is inferior to the kind of happiness he would have enjoyed if he'd won the lottery. You know, so many, t you know, most people in, in, in today's society would say that. But the truth is that what the paraplegic is doing in, in this more extreme case, says Gilbert, is what most of us are in fact doing all the time when faced with, with negative events. You know, we find a way of making the best of what's happened to us. You know, this is, a, this is, this is part of our nature. This is a human talent. Now, we usually find in, in these situations that we don't, I mean, in, in the less extreme situations perhaps, that we don't get knocked down for long. And, and research is, is showing that we're remarkably resilient and we can pick ourselves up and, and keep going. The problem is that, that we normally associate happiness with, with getting what we want. You know, happiness is, is my reward for, 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 for getting something out there, like a, a job or a, or a treat, you know, something I've deserved. You know. But the truth is that we can also gain happiness when we don't get what we're aiming for. You know, when we fail to get what we wanted. And that kind of happiness is genuine. You know. It's got the same biological roots, you know, the, the same neural activity going on. You know, in the case of the paraplegic, you know, by, by drawing the good from their situation that others can't possibly imagine. You know, the, the paraplegic is, is really changing the way they feel about things. You know, making this happiness not fake, it's not a fake happiness, it's genuine. You know, another problem <clears throat> with people's understanding of happiness is that is that they think that happiness is some kind of a rare gem. Yeah? If we're lucky enough to, to you know, um, at the end of a long journey, you know, the end of, of, of my career or, or having, you know, raising kids, you know, when, when everything's calm and, and, and quiet in the home, whatever, you know, we can possess that happiness at the end of this journey. 
know, it's something out there or, or a state that one day I'm going to reach if I've done X, Y, or Z, you know, but, you know, back to that perfect work-life balance again. Yeah. But research shows us, and if we, and then we know ourselves if, if, if you know, we, we, we reflect on it really, that happiness is actually a fairly normal rock. It's a fairly normal rock, and we can find it all the time uh, along the journey. You know, we can we can take conscious steps to make our own happiness, as it were. You know? that, that that doesn't ex depend on these externals. You know, by simply understanding ourselves better and and what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. You know, we often think that that happiness is about journeying, you know, towards the the, the, the one and only hope diamond. Yeah, but the truth is that our paths, says Stan Gilbert, are littered with precious and, 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 and semi-precious stones. Your happiness in life, in family life, is, is, is so much easier to find than, than, than we sometimes imagine. You know, people make out that you know, it's, you know, life is so challenging and, 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 and it's impossible to, to, to find that happiness. And I think it's so much easier than we sometimes imagine. You know, I'll, I'll mention one or two practical things in a moment, but one last consideration about happiness, and it's this. You know, we're, we're, we're often led to believe that if we consume more, you know, 20% more, this 20% this rule, and if only, I had, if only I had a 20% bigger house, if only I had 20% more possessions, if only I was 20% cleverer or 20% you know, more handsome or 20, whatever it might be, I would be happy, says this 20% rule. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, I mean, let's face it, we've got a consumerist, you know, nature. This is part of our fallen nature as human beings. You know, when we take a bit of chocolate, a bite of chocolate, we say, gosh, that was really good. You know, I want more, you know, more is better. Yeah. And it's natural to keep wanting more of, of what, what has pleased you in the first place. But often the things that, that bring us pleasure, usually, and we know this from, again, from our own experience, that these things usually bring us pleasure in the short term. You know, where, we often, where we're often wrong is how much pleasure they're going to bring us in the long term, right, in the long term, and whether, in fact, these things are in our best long-term interests anyway. Now, the problem is that what was good in the short term may end up being a disaster in the long term. You know, eat too much chocolate and it, I don't know, it may rot our teeth, you know, make us too fat, you know, make us die young. Um, excuse the, the, the exaggeration. You know. The people who say, you know, I bought all the cars, I had all the clothes, I had all the, the bling, as it were, and then it occurred to them that, that there were never going to be enough cars and, and clothes and, and gadgets and, and jewellery and whatever to make them happy. And, you know, how often do we come across these people? Maybe not, not often, but we do. And these people... You know, what they've done is they, they've made a conscious decision to get off that treadmill. And, you know, that, that consumerist's urge is strong, yeah, but it's not inevitable. It's not inevitable. You know, we as a family, and, I, and this is why I keep reminding families over and over again in the work that I do, that, that we as a family, we can get off that treadmill too, provided that we understand our mission as a couple, that we understand our mission as parents, and we remain utterly committed to that mission. As I said before, you know, happiness in family life is, is much easier to find than we, we sometimes imagine. Now, again, I always remind couples that if they want to be happy, 
and you know, I apologize if this sounds like a really trite point, but sometimes, you know, this is what we need to to, to remind ourselves is, you know, these the, the basic obvious points that 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 we fail to to to, to live in our lives. But I remind them that if they want to be happy, they need to be, they need to spend more time with each other and with their kids. And here I'm talking about any kind of time, leisure time, you know, working around the house, carrying out some project, fixing the fence outside with their kids, going for a walk, playing a board game, um, anything, any any time, you know, you're sitting down watching that 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 family film together, you know, whatever it is. You know, you know we need to encourage families to spend more time together. You know, we need to wake people up. Because that's the other thing, you know, as well as myth busting, you know, my, my role is to wake people up, wake people up to the damage that's being done from some of the, 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 the things that are being peddled at the moment, you know, these new moral codes. And a lot of damage is being done by, by, by the lack of family time that, that, that people now have. Now, family time is when, is when parents can, in so many different ways, be passing on their values, their, their guidance, but that much needed formation as in times of old, you know, that, you know, what's been happening for the 99% of human history. And this time, you know, can be a time not necessarily of great, warm, fuzzy feelings. You know? I mean, I, you know, I can tell you that these were in short supply when I was waking up at, at 6, 6.30 in the morning to bring my kids to school uh, when they were little. You know, um, you know very few fuzzy, warm feelings uh, then. But nevertheless, even these moments of taking our kids down, you know, barely, you know, awake, down to, to, to school at, at seven o'clock in the morning. Nevertheless, even these can be a time of happiness because it's when we're fulfilling our mission as parents, where we're taking every opportunity, you know, even that trip to school to teach a lesson, you know, to remind a child to be a little bit more resilient in the face of, of some of the subjects that he's going to find a little bit more bo a little bit boring later on in the day. You know, maybe giving a good example when we're stuck behind that that dump track, um, you know, that um, making us late. And, and not not sounding off to the driver and, and, and or losing our call, you know that kind of thing. Give me a good example in the, in that situation. A young person's growing realization of who they are, you know their own mission, um, their own purpose in life, you know, and even at the spiritual level, you know, deepening in, in in that identity as a, as a as a son or daughter of God, you know that awareness that that that, that, that they are beloved children of God, and even that. And especially that, especially that, is intrinsically linked to, to the amount of time they, they spend with their parents and, and family. And, you know, I completely understand, you know, the, the tensions people are under. You know, some, par some parents have to, to work, you know, both parents have to work to make ends meet. I mean, my wife and I, we've been working parents, and my wife, full-time working parent uh, all her life. E even with raising seven children, we didn't, we didn't have many options, really. You know, people work to put a, a roof over their heads and, and food on the table. And I, I, I know very few people who are working to save up for a, a luxury summer home in, in, in the Bahamas. You know? No, they're, they're working hard to cover the basics. You know, the cost of living crisis is real. It's real and it can be real you know, for, for, for parents and for kids. But whereas in the past, perhaps, you know, many mums, you know, it's just the way things were, were configured really maybe they were at home when 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 the kids came back from school you know, dad maybe was going to arrive a little bit later but but mum was that stable presence when 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 the kids got back and many kids you know from my experience don't don't experience that now right and and as a result many kids are spending time on their own you know in their rooms being 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 supervised sometimes by adults who who are not their parents or older siblings um 
or even if their parents are working remotely from home, but actually are not really present. Yeah? So the child, you know, the parents may, may well not have been at home, really. It's made no difference, you know, because they're, they're not there. And as a result, what's happening? Kids are spending more time on their own. They're making a lot of poor choices, you know, very poor choices, you know, without that parental guidance, that parental supervision, if you like. Their choices about how they spend their leisure time, when, how, if to study, how to spend their money. I think, you know, this is a, a new phenomena, this idea of, of teenagers having a lot of money. You know, go back 50, 60 years, teenagers just didn't have the money to spend. Now they do. And this has created a different kind of problem for young people. Yeah, that's why, you know, as a family, we've always been big on, on family dinners. And, you know, it's not been an easy, uh, a difficult thing, you know, having so many children and, and, and so on. But the rule in our family has been that if we can't have that, that, fa I mean, that family dinner together, and now many of them are, you know, my oldest is 27 and he's, he's married and, and I have another son who's getting married next month and our youngest is 17. So now, you know, we don't have, we're not together in, in, in the same way as we used to be. But, but even then, you know, we're trying to get together that family meal as often as it's physically possible. I mean, there's one family that I know who have a, a rule that nobody eats alone. Nobody eats alone. It's a lovely rule, this one. You know, so when the oldest boy, for example, comes back for whatever reason, you know, maybe, I don't know, rugby practice, you know, he's been studying at school, come back later, whatever it might be. You know, everybody has to stop whatever they're, they're kind of doing. Maybe, you know, they've got maybe a particular leisure activity or, or you know, some other chore around the house, that kind of thing. And they all sit together at the table with the person who's arrived late so that nobody, nobody eats alone. You know? I mean, there is no image that sums up the problems of our present age better than people eating alone yeah people eating alone usually in front of their screens whether it's their laptop or phone or or whatever you know but how can parents pass on their values and their lessons in life unless they're spending or way, even wasting let's use that word wasting time with their kids leisure time chore time you know whatever it might be together how they're going to pass these things on how they're going to form their kids Unless they say, for example, okay, we can't eat together because dad's working right, late and he's going to come back, you know, um, you know, after dinner. But when he comes home, we're all going to get together. You know, maybe before dad sits down, unwinds, you know, takes off his tie, as it were, and, you know, and, 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 and enjoys that meal. You know, before the kids go to bed, we're going to have a family get together right? and we're, we're going to sit down and, and we're going to spend those moments, you know, just like, you know, those, those families of old, you know. And alongside this idea of spending more family time together is that couples and families need to learn how to rest better. You know, in my, in my view, what's far more important than trying to achieve some kind of perfect work-life balance or, I don't know, some inner nirvana, right, is learning how to rest, you know, developing good rest habits, both personally and as a couple and as a family, can have a big impact on, on family, you know. I mean, before the Industrial Revolution, you know, work mainly took place around the home, you know, the farm or the blacksmith. You know, economic production was, was, was centered around the household. You know? And what's happened after the Industrial Revolution is that work was placed into big corporations. So work was measured much more in terms of efficiency, productivity, profitability, and, and so on. I mean, look, not, um, you know, these thoughts are not about, you know, kind of trying to, to, to go back to a, a pre-specialized economy, you know, but I think that the events of the past 200 years or so have contributed to, to this current obsession we all have with achievement, you know, 
I, you know, what counts is what I do, what people do, what they produce, right? That's what counts. And I think this impacted on people's idea of rest. You know? The quality of their leisure time and, and, and rest is often measured by how efficient, productive, profitable um, it is. And this puts huge mental stress on people. You know, dad playing a board game with his son, you know, while he's trying to play the board game, he's trying to answer the email on, on his phone, because he's trying to be productive, he's trying to be efficient, he's trying to be, um, you know, super profitable with his time. And we live in a world of extremes, you know, um, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, we can fall into the trap of defining rest as, as kind of sheer amusement and, and mere entertainment, you know, mere escapism. You know? But how do we feel when we played that, that video game for hours or, or been binge watching, you know, Downton Abbey on Netflix, right? You know, we feel guilty. Yeah? Nothing wrong with Downton Abbey, by the way. I mean, it's just the, the idea of, um, of binge watching 10 episodes at the, at the same time. You know, well, I mean, we feel guilty. You know, there's a sense that, that these activities didn't provide us any real rest. Yeah? I mean, Pope Benedict has this great line. You know, he says, the prof I mean, it's a line. This is an amalgam of, 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 of the things that he said. You're not going to find it strictly like this. But it's an amalgam. He says, in effect, the most profound moment of our lives is often not what we've achieved, but what we've accepted. And in this case, Pope Benedict is talking about this idea of accepting, accepting God's gifts, accepting the sickness that might come our way, accepting that I can't do it all. But, you know, I would argue that rest properly, you know, we can introduce this idea into this idea of rest because rest properly lived helps us also to, to accept, to receive, you know, to receive God's love, to receive the love of our, of our spouse, the love of our children. You know, rest should be less about trying to achieve or, or to be productive, less about amusement. I mean, having said that, look, I mean, you know, entertainment in moderation, watching a good film is, you know, is, is fine. And look, I don't wish to scandalize anybody, but, you know, sometimes after I've spent a whole day giving talks and whatever, you know, coming back and watching, I don't know, Terminator 3 versus Road Cop, Road Cop is, is okay. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, the, the, you know, just a little bit of unwinding, that's okay. But always in moderation, you know, this is the point. But rest should be more about the ability to receive, to contemplate. And what does it look like? Just, you know, just to sum up and, and just to conclude, you know, the, the, this segment of the show, really. You know, it, one, you know, one form personally is silence or quiet periods. You know, prayer is a wonderful form of rest, you know where we shouldn't always set out to achieve, to be profitable in prayer. You know, God, I, you know, give me the five solutions to, to my problem. You know, let's allow God sometimes just to do his thing, really, you know, a bit like the downloading the software, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, when, when our phones are being up, updated, really, you know, just to allow God to, to, to kind of, you know, quietly work on us, really. You know, reading is another way to develop quiet times. Walks with no screens, right, just to kind of qualify that. Walks with no screens is another. These are all personal ways to, to kind of foster this silent receptivity, this love of God, love of, of you know, the beauty of nature and, 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 and so on and so forth. Well, we're not un put under pressure to achieve. And then finally, you know, on a collective level, you know, I'd encourage you to develop those, those family rest moments, which are not necessarily quiet moments, you know, but these are opportunities to spend time together. And in my family, they're always noisy moments. Those board games, making Sunday special, you know, going for a family excursion after mass, you know. You know, these idea of those family get-togethers that I was talking about, moments of family receptivity when... When, when family members should f be, feel free from the judgments of the world and given the space to be who they are, the best versions of themselves, because it's in rest, proper rest, that I, I, I develop a greater sense of who I am. And what I am, first of all, is, 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 is a child of God. You know, I've been created for something. I've been created for a purpose. 
I have a mission. And part of that is found within the, within the, 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 the purpose of the family. All right, Chiro, that's great. A lot, of, uh, a lot of things to unpack there and to reflect upon. And me as a father, I've got a very uh, vested interest in this talk because uh, I've got three boys myself, a little younger than yours. Um, so it's good to know what I might have coming up in front of me. So you heard it from the man himself. Get off the treadmill, take it back to the old school, spend time with the family. And don't overindulge in too many things. And just to give you a little reminder of that, we got Dolly Parton over here and nine to five. Working nine to five. What a way to make a living. Barely getting by. It's all taking and no giving. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Nine to five. For service and devotion. Yeah, a bit of country for this morning from the one and only Queen of Country, Dolly Parton there in 9 to 5. You're listening to Radio Maria and specifically Just Life and even more specifically to Chiro Candia who's been giving us a great talk on how to be a, a real family man or family person in general but, and uh, all the things that we should be doing that we've lost sight of over the years. It's some uh, some great things you've said over this this talk i think the main takeaway is less is more sit back you know stop and smell the roses kind of thing and don't get sucked into the uh this common culture of consumerism and and more and more and more because that's not ever going to make you um happy in the long run like you were saying before you got a house you want 20 20 percent bigger house you know you're you, you're binge watching this and that it's always good to uh to pull away and take stock right yeah, absolutely, Eddie. And, and, you know, there is this cultural smog, you know, that we can easily become accustomed to, you know, I, um, uh, just as, a, as, a, as, a, as an analogy, I mean, just um, there's a, there's a uh, just from very close to where we, we live, there's a, a factory that, that can produces all sorts of, of strange smells and, and so on, um, you know, spewing out. And, and as you drive past it, you know, maybe for the first time, it really strikes you, right? really strikes you this, 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 um, this, this smell. But you know what? Having driven down that road for the past 20, 25 years, guess what? I've got used to the smell, right? I've got used to the smell. And, and the thing is, this is what can happen to us. You know, we get used to the, to the cultural smog. And, you know, we've got a very pervasive culture that's working against us, really, as, as parents. Um, and, 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 you know, we can get used to it. You know, we can, we can you know, I, I was having a chat with um, somebody the other day about, you know, the obsession that we have nowadays with, with what is normal, you know, what is normal, you know, I want to be, you know, what, what is normal? Right? And I just think to myself, you know, that's not the question, what is normal, you know, in terms of what's out there, because right now, you know, you've got a whole spectrum of, of, of responses to that question. What's far more important is what's, what's right, you know, what's, what's good, because what's right and what's good doesn't change. Yeah? No, no, you're totally right. And I remember uh, you you're saying early before, I think in the first part about uh, how we all want so many choices and um, so many options mm. out there. But um, I was a program called Philosopher's Corner. I got the, uh, the, uh, the privilege of having a philosopher on once a month and we talk. And one mm. of his quotes was, um, if you want real freedom, real freedom is when you choose what's right. Mm. It's not having Correct. multiple choices. It's choosing the good. So yeah. uh, a, lo a lot of what you've been saying has been uh, 
resonating a lot. And I like mm. the um, the Pope Benedict quote too. I'm quite a fan of his. And uh, mm. the greatest moment in your life is not what you've achieved, but what you've accepted. So, mm. yeah. bravo, bravo. I like it. Good. It's good to have you on. And um, thank you. I like the the energy and the way you present it. It's uh, it's. It's very well, I hope I overpowered people because you know what what ends up happening is that I tend to throw a lot of things um, in 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 the talks and 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 that's why I, in fact I run um, a number of hubs. So with the work that, that that I do, I mean, there are lots of different things that I'm involved in now. Yeah, so, so tell us more about what you do yeah. apart from. I mean. The radio Maria so interview. Yeah, yeah. Just to clarify, Eddie, that that I'm not um, I'm not a head teacher right now. So I've been um, a head teacher for the past 25 years, and um, so I stepped down in September, just you know, uh, seven or eight months ago, mm-hmm. um, to start up an organisation called ProParent. Right? So this um, this organisation, ProParent. So I don't have a website at the moment. So they're, um, mm-hmm. it's um, a work in I progress this off but what i do with proparent is that um i go around the country giving lots of talks and, and also setting up hubs right so these are a small groups small communities of four six seven eight couples really in someone's home so very much going back to this kind of early christianity um um feel really with 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 you know people coming together in their homes and i set up these hubs and then um or i give conferences and and then in in these hubs, so I'll have a hub leader who, who's organised the, the 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 gathering. I'll give a short talk, um, and you know, maybe thirty minutes or so. Then we'll have a, a question and answer session, and the talk will be around parenting or relationship or some of the wider educational um, matters. You know, things to do with I don't know um, sex education or what's happening with gender um, um, ideology in schools or, or helping kids study, whatever. So a whole range of different topics and and. And so on, and um, so I started this this hub um, um, network about you know as I say in December, and and it's grown remarkably to be honest to, to thirty hubs around the UK. Wow, that's a moment. lot! So in such a it, short time. A, I mean, I you know Eddie, it's just it's just come gone beyond my wildest oh, kind of imagination. I'm really happy to hear that because most businesses, whatever they are, they take a long time to set up because you've mm. got to get out there and. Uh, Yes. Have all your eggs in one bucket, and then it's got to be promoted and marketed. So yeah. it's a it's a great achievement. Yeah. So where have, where are these hubs around the country? Oh well, Eddie, I mean they're they're literally all over the place. So I've got um, so it's UK and and Ireland. So I've got hubs now in. I'm just thinking about the geography of it all. Yeah. I'm starting kind of um, west and, and and going in a circle. So Galway, Limerick, right. Dublin, Glasgow, Manchester, Birmingham. Um, Cambridge. So there are there are there are some there are four hubs in Cambridge. Um, then um, all around the home counties. I mean, you know, lots and lots of hubs around the the, the home counties. And and recently, I've been working with couples to start up um, a hub in 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 Leicester, and another one in Bristol. And what I'm hoping is that as time goes by, that we can expand a little bit. And maybe, you know, I know couples um, in, in, in places like Sweden and Netherlands and, and maybe to, to, to go a little bit more international right, with this, right. really. So this is an amazing uh, achievement, setting up all these uh, all these various hubs in such a That's short it. space of time. You, so you must be on the road quite a bit, Chiro. Yes, I mean, to to at the moment, I mean, good job. My wife is not listening to to to, to, the, to the show. Um, she might do yes. the podcast or the rebroadcast. <laughs> well, maybe we can take out that that the, right. the, the, this section of the. Um, I'll, I'll edit it out. Go ahead. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, um, so at the moment, you know, every weekend I'm somewhere. So in fact, we've got um, the conference that um, the premiers, who I think were, were on the show a little while back, um, to, to kind of um, uh, promote the, the the conference that that's happening on Saturday. So I've got that in Cambridge, but I was in in, in Aberystwyth, Wales, a few weeks ago, and then in Scotland, and then last week in Manchester. So it's been it's just a constantly on the road. And is really. it yeah. just you on your own, or do you have you got a, a, an assistant, secretary, somebody helping you plot this thing, an agent, or because it's a lot of work involved? Yes, that's a really good question. And the thing is that that's what I I, I give a lot of. Um, a lot of thought to how we're going to grow this and, mm. and make it sustainable um, because there's no point you know growing this and then you know a year from now it's all finished because i've, I've burnt out mm. or, or overstretched uh, yourself yeah yeah no so so that you know establishing a, st a structure establishing these these platforms and this network and then giving it legs you know providing making sure that it has longevity is is really key to my thinking at the moment and so what i'm doing i'm, I'm beginning now to talk to a number of people who could be um, speakers for these for these um, for these hubs really so I recognize at the moment it has to be me really so people are, are kind of engaging with me to set these things up and so on but I'm already you know kind of as I say liaising with a number of people who have particular specialisms you know particular you know things to say in, in this whole area of education and parenting and relationships and so on and um, over time I want them to get I want to plug them in if you like to all these different um, these different um, these different hubs and, and so on. And just one other thing, Eddie, just to, to, to kind of mention is that the these hubs are free, right? So these free. So I run this pro bono. Um, so I've got my professional work. So what I do professionally at the moment is that I'm a, an educational consultant for um, for an educational trust, um, and and I work with two secondary schools to develop a life coaching program. It's really exciting, a life coaching program for 15 to 18 year olds, right? And and I do this, um, and this is this is tremendously exciting because a lot of the ideas that I develop in the hubs and some of the things that I've talked about today, you know, I can put I can put together in, into a program for mm. these young people because you know they need a lot of support. This age group, a lot of support, and and um, so I do that profession. That's where I I get my income, and so the hubs for me are are you know i mean i've, I've had i mean I've, I've been very fortunate to have some funding to, to at least cover some of the the costs as well so there are very generous people out there mm -hmm. who are willing to, to support these sorts of initiatives but for the the people who attend the hubs for them this is free of charge right? well, so great. there are no obstacles no obstacles at all for mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. taking part in this activity no yeah. no excuses then right <laughs> no excuses but exactly, you know there's yeah. power in numbers you know when you're going around the country yeah. uh setting up these little Little cells, these hubs, and uh, it, it gives people uh, a community as well to uh, exactly to vibe off each other and to, to to exchange ideas and to know that they're not alone in this uh, exactly. in this struggle of being a parent. So, seven children you've got. Seven. Can you remember yes. all their names? No, uh, no, <laughs> I remember their names, but um, it's just their birthdays that I struggle I with. I bet you do. <laughs> I'm yeah, well, do. the thing is, sometimes I've got it wrong and I'll get this look. People, especially mums, will give me this look. You know, how can this man not know his, his children's birthdays? What, what a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> they must be thinking. Mm. No, I have trouble with three, even remembering their, their names and birthdays. <laughs> I've got two, uh, two of my boys. I've got the same birthday two days apart. One's on the 25th. Wow. 
of June. Yeah. The other one's the 27th. Even I get confused. So, and I've got three. Well, that's when it's I agree. This is when it's particularly hard because I've got five, I think four or five of them. I mean, there you go. I've, got, I've kind of forgotten already. Four or five of them who've got birth dates in the 20s, right? right. 22, 23, 20. And I, I just forget who's, who, <laughs> which label to, to attribute, you know. You were there at the hospital, though. That's the most important thing. Exactly. You That's right. That. Uh, definitely there at the hospital. Yeah. How did you get your tentacles all the way over to Ireland in Galway and Limerick? How did that come about? Well, I mean, the thing is, there's so many, you know, kind of different channels, really, that, that I've been starting these hubs with, I don't, without wishing to bore you. But um, in fact, the, 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 the ones in Galway and, and Limerick really started because somebody from Dublin actually contacted me and said, look, I hear that, you know, I, have, I hear from various other contacts that you give talks and, um, and, and conferences on parenting and relationships. You know, how about doing something here for us in, in Dublin? So in November last year, um, you know, he, he, this, this guy was a retired businessman who um, is a real strategist, you know, somebody who gets okay. people together. I've just remind, remembered, he, he also runs something called uh, Family Enrichment Island, you know, something like okay. that. So that's how, you know, he, he was, he's in this world. Really. Yeah, yeah, and, of course. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then really, you know, it just took off from there, you know, right. went to, over to, to Dublin and then the rest is history, as they right. say. And you've been, you've been up to Cambridge, right? I've been to Cambridge um, twice now to run these hubs. Yeah. Um, Great. Well, next time you're, you're in the area, you have to come in and, uh, and have a cup of coffee here. Definitely. In the, in, I'll in definitely take you up on that, Eddie. Mm. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Mm. I'd love to do that. Yeah. So you're also thinking about going into um, taking it continental, taking mm. it abroad. He says you've got some contacts in Sweden that might want to... Um... Yeah. So, so people, you know, Sweden, Netherlands and, and so on. I mean, I, you know, ultimately... <clears throat> Now, going back really to what you were saying, Eddie, about about this this idea of strength in numbers, really, you know mm -hmm. that you know the work the, the forces working against us, you know, are really you know quite you know pervasive and persuasive, right? Mm -hmm. you know, and and they're well organised. I mean, at the moment, you know, those those you know we know those voices. We, we don't have time to to kind of discuss that, but you know the, all those those cultural voices working against us, and yet on the other side of the fence, where you know the people. You know, you know, organizations like Radio Maria and lots of others who are involved in, 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 in that kind of, um, you know, that, 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 wanting to, to kind of make a bigger noise, really, um, a, a, above the cultural din, mm. if you like. You know, these forces are not always well funded. You know, they're, they're, you know we're, we're not always, we don't have the strength in numbers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my desire really, Eddie, is to, to kind of work with as many people of goodwill, you know, people mm -hmm. like yourselves mm -hmm. and, and, and lots of others. And, you know, right across, you know, the UK and Ireland, but also around the world so that we can, we can, we can make a noise that's bigger, you know, a noise that's louder mm -hmm. than, 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 than the din that we're, we're, we're constantly exposed to. I think, yeah, what I kind of feel like as a Catholic father is, uh, the 21st century, this uh, post-Christian consumerist days that we're living, I just sort of like circle yep. the wagons, you know, exactly. keep it in the family and, um, and resist, yep. resist this, uh, this wave um, mm. that's, uh, that's coming over. It's people like you that are doing a, a fantastic job and I can see you're throwing every, every soul <laughs> you've got into it, which is brilliant. So uh, what's up? What's in the, I know you've told me the long game, but what's in the near future, the next sort of two, three months, let's say over the summer, what have you got planned, Shiro? Oh, well, over the summer, I think it's where my wife has, has certainly managed to, to, to get her, her way. I mean, she, she established a rule 
um, a little while ago that no more hubs on a Sunday, right? So at least can we please keep Sunday, you know, kind of sacrosanct because, uh, you know, in order to, to kind of cater for all the, 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 the demand, as it were, um, you know, I was having to double up Saturday, Sunday, some evenings and, and so on. So the first thing she established, right, that's it. Um, unless she's with me. I know that there was a qualifier. The qualifier was that if she was coming with me, um, then we could do the odd Sunday. So, you know, so in the next few months, yes, there is a there are a few um, Sundays, um, you know, kind of creeping in uh, with hubs. But over the, 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 the August period and, and half of July, um, what I'm going to do is just take some time off um, because people are away on holidays that's and, true, and yeah. so on. And, and what I want to do is really, you know, because what I, what I keep being asked when I go along to, to, to run these hub sessions is, you know, do you have any accompanying material? Do you have any anything that, um, that, that, that we can take away with us? And, and to be honest, Eddie, you know, because of having just stepped down as a, as a head only a few few months ago, in effect, and, and really launching this, I've had no time to, to kind of get my thoughts together and, and put some of this material together in a fashion also because I've been designing this, this, this life coaching this course for these teenagers so i've not had time so what i'd like to do in the summer really is to is to just take stock you know just put some of these these um these these thought these these materials together and, and then when i kind of uh, launch again in 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 september um then to, to 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 kind of also provide some accompanying materials to to the hubs sessions that i run but more um, more imminently, in in September, I've got hubs in in Manchester. I'm going to Ireland again um, to give a, a to, to give a conference there in in September, um, and then um, and then I think towards the to be, uh, then in October I'm going back to to, to to Wales to Aberystwyth and Birmingham. So what I'm doing is the cycle. Really. So great. if you can imagine these thirty hubs. I, I return to these hubs every three or four I was, months. I was just about to ask, how often do yeah. you return? So that's great. So every three or four months, you come back and keep yeah. an eye on them, make sure they're, they're following the right path, right? Well, the thing is, <laughs> it's an accompaniment, Eddie, right? So, you know, what I see my role is that I'm accompanying these these, these mm. families on the journey. And, and, and I want to be there for them, you know, to help them in the long, for the long run, not, not just to kind of give the odd talk and then just disappear. But it's great you that, come back. You know, three months is just yeah. about the right amount of time for you to come back again exactly. and say, hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, exactly. and then the updates. And, uh, and also, Eddie, you know, you're in a, you've got an Italian background as well. I mean, the thing is, you know, what happens with the Italians, you've got to be careful that they, they don't get a certain kind of candy of fatigue here. Yeah. Right? Sure. If I'm there, if I if I if I go too often, they're going to get fed up of me. They're going to say, "Well, this guy you you know, never allows us to talk. He never allows us to speak." And, and sure. so, so, yeah, to avoid candy fatigue, every three or four months is probably about right. Well, that's brilliant. Well, that's brilliant. You've got a very busy life, and you're real a real warrior, a real soldier for Thank our you. Lord Thank and God. for family <laughs> values. And hey, who yeah. can't complain? Seven kids. I mean, you know, you got the resume, right? <laughs> You don't just talk yeah. the talk. You've been there. You yeah. bought the T-shirt, as they say. Dude, <laughs> yeah. I could go on for at least another hour. Maybe we will one day, and uh, our paths yeah. will cross again, and uh, yeah. stranger things have happened. It's been wonderful yeah. to have you on. Yes, likewise. Listen to your, your testimony, and, um, and I wish you all the best for the future. And uh, perhaps, yeah, we have you back on again. Great, Eddie. Thank you very much indeed. And just to say to all the listeners and, and to you and Helena that your your the work that you do is 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 wonderful, and you're you're all very much in my prayers. Oh, thank you. And likewise, and likewise, I very much hope we collaborate again soon. Great. Thank you, Eddie.
This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.